Welcome, listener. I'm glad you're here. This is Justin, the host of Obscura, a true crime podcast. If you enjoy single narrator true crime podcasts with a focus on less covered cases and unflinching detail, then Obscura may be for you. But don't take my word for it. Obscura can be found on your favorite podcast app. I tried to do my podcast. Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh, I'm trying to do my pocket, but words keep. He was a new bone for Christmas. Remember? Five, four. Where was I? Trace. Trace. Three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. (laughs) (laughs) I have something to admit. I was going to start there and say her part. But for whatever reason, it escaped me for the moment. My name escaped you? No, no, no. How you say it. (laughs) How you say it. How it is that you say your name. Hey, everybody. I couldn't remember the hey, everybody part. Well, it's important. It is important. It would have been okay if you just went, Danielle. (laughs) Anyways, I'm Daniel. And I'm Carla. We are Who Shot Was Died. And we have ADHD. We certainly do. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. What is up, my bitches? Bitches. Nothing. It's Monday. It is Monday. I'm usually not somebody to complain about Monday because I really don't care. Who's got I a case about either. Mondays? My yeah. Monday wasn't bad. Normally we record on Sunday, but yeah, recording on a Monday. And it's all right. Not bad. It was rib night over at my dad's. Rib night. Rib night. We both punch each other in the ribs. <laughs> well, my mom said, I'll see you over at dinner for tonight. And I'm like... What the fuck does that mean? I had to think about it for about five minutes. I went, oh, shit. And I didn't know anything about it. What does that mean? (laughs) What the fuck does see you for dinner tonight mean? Well, no. I mean, when she, when I find, when I feel like when I, uh, when she tells me stuff during the day, like she'll call me at work and say, oh, by the way, we're doing this. I'll go, okay. Uh And, uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. That's the end of it. Oh, really? Oh. Well, no, I registered it. I I did. She said, Ribs. I forget shit like that all the time. Don't oh, worry. it's bad. I couldn't remember that to ask mom to watch. You're like, did you remember to ask your mom if she can watch the kid on Saturday? And I was like, no. Nor <laughs> do I remember why I'm asking. That's why. Her. <laughs> that's why I ask you at least because I asked you to do it. I think three. four times. Three, three times. times. Okay, Matt. we'll settle on three. Four times. And that's okay because. No. The longer I've been around and the more I've gotten to know your mom, the more I see where you get it. <laughs> <laughs> poor mother. Uh, we went to... Unless there is... Hey, in, in crisis, your mom's a good person to have around. She's the best. Mm-hmm. You need to get shit done. Like, hey, I got I have a deadline. Maybe that's what I should say. I mean, crisis, yeah, but that's motherly instinct. But when you have to get something done and you need to get it done... And you don't know where to start. 
Oh, yeah. She's Boom. a great starter. She's like, this is where you need to start. Then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. And everything's going to be that, okay. We're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's been on two episodes now. And then she poops her pants at Disney World. Aww. It happens to the best of us, honestly. The best and brightest poop their pants. I just hope the time I actually fully shit my pants, it's something I can actually laugh at. Like, it's not like... I was on stage getting this prestigious award and I had the stomach flu. <laughs> and then I shit myself. And then I shit my pants. <laughs> There's always someone going to be better than you out there, but you got to be yourself. Unless you LeBron. Then there ain't nobody out there better than you. That is correct. <laughs> we went to your company dinner. Saturday night. Saturday night. That was Where do you guys go? Stone Creek. Was it good? Yes. I thought it was very good. I give it a... C plus. Oh, okay. Uh, it's at least a B. Oh, it's a strong C plus. Okay. You know, there's a, a strong C plus. There's going to be others out there that are better than you. The bread, <laughs> the bread and the oil's good. Always. Mm-hmm. The appetizers were good, but yeah, for what I for what we paid to eat. Well, how did the bill work out? Though I don't know. It just really. You know, I hate spending that kind of money to eat a meal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my goal is always to eat for five bucks or less. We got appetizers <laughs> and dessert. Oh, like, I know. trying to save that money on $5. a meal. No, 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 no. We never, we never get a chance to go out. So I don't even think we went out for our anniversary. Yeah, we did. Did we? Where'd I take you? Bonefish. Damn. Oh yeah. <laughs> you don't even know. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. I remember that was a special evening. And the service was terrible. Yeah, that's what I was just <laughs> and saying. The I service give that a C minus. Well, I mean, she just, dis- you know, if you're going to be a waitress, you have a really hard job. I can't but do it. But you need yeah. to hit your tables up more than every like 20 minutes or 25 minutes. Again, I get it. I hate paying money for. I really probably sound like a fucking asshole sitting here talking about spending. You don't money. know somebody could have shit their <laughs> pants that day. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they had a bad day. Where you got real. Anyways, that. You you can probably cut that part out too. I'm just talking here. We're just talking. Um. So we went with all my coworkers, and for the most part, so I told the kid that's interning with me, I'm like, you need to come. Mm-hmm. This will be fun. It, it it'll be worth it. And I feel bad because we didn't even sit with him. They ended no. up splitting us into two tables and put us in the middle of the restaurant, which is a bad idea. Which is a bad idea for everyone oh, else. No. Oh no no. How many people? Almost eighteen people. We had eighteen people, mm-hmm. so not not a ton, but a, a good Enough. group. Yeah, we're, I mean, yeah. But of course, the drinking starts, mm-hmm. as it does, and then <laughs> and then that slowly turns into us betting Zach uh, twenty bucks to eat an entire wad of wa- of wasabi. Yeah. Oh no! no Before no, no. the food got there, oh, I was that's like, Barf City right there. He did I mean, it. Oh he yeah! Was just like he put it on. I, what I can't remember what the fuck he put it on. I have video of it. Biscuit, a brisket. Oh, hang on. I did. Oh wait, wait. Wasabi. Wasabi. <laughs> 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 we should we should have upped it to fifty bucks. <laughs> How you feeling, Zach? Not bad. Not good. Not bad. <laughs> not good. <laughs> not bad. That's good. And as the night digressed, they were betting him to do. And what? Then we were. T- we I told him to uh, 
we should put a funnel in his ass. <laughs> and he could because we were talking about Steve O doing the uh thing from Jackass, the yeah. beer bong, the uh or bonging the beer in his ass. Mm-hmm. Oh and I God. said, We'll get a funnel and then Zach will do a shot of vodka. Ugh. And that turned into someone holding his legs and someone being there for emotional support. You get drunk think- real quick, cash in the liver. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, it was, and then his wife his I heard his wife look at him and go, Look at me. You're not doing this. Because <laughs> he not, likes to take a bet. There's not enough money. The he likes to take no. a bet, so he's like, ah. The answer's no. You know. Oh, it was funny. And then, what is it? Fish started playing porn on yes, the Yes, then we were watching. Oh, my God. Yes. But it was, no, it was holiday themed. Oh. This, Festive. This girl mm-hmm. was bent over, pouring powdered sugar on her hind area, <laughs> bent over in the style of doggy. <laughs> okay. She the has these of... two little brown stick on things. I don't know what they are, but she sticks one on each cheek. <laughs> and then she takes a carrot and puts it in the birthing canal. No. For the nose. <laughs> and then puts a hat on top of her back. So she made a snowman. <laughs> I'm not okay with that. So <laughs> the funny part the it. funny part about it, because he turns around to like show where everyone in the restaurant could have seen it. And I quickly threw my hand up. I said, No. <laughs> no. But the part that the he couldn't get over is he goes, Look, he she shoved it up with the stem in first. <laughs> the, like she the, didn't, know, it was a whole carrot, root. so it had the root and the oh, stem and it, stuff on it, and it, she shut. Yeah, it. she could be bothered to trim the nose. No, down. no, so she had a she had, had a mission. very wholesome conversation. She had a video solved that a she lot was of the making. world's problems. She probably wrote the script and everything. Yeah, we got louder and louder, dirty looks from the other patrons. You don't have a bad time Mm-mm. if if either Zach or Fish is involved. Unless you are easily offended, and if you are, you're not even listening to this podcast. Yeah, no. If you're easily offended, then scratch out fish and just put Zach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zach listens to us. He went to see the last podcast on the left, or he's going to one of the yes. two. What's that? And a po- the last podcast that. Oh, uh, I don't listen left. to podcasts. Did you no. guys know? <laughs> Carla listens to none. Daniel, you listen to. Mm. I listen to some. Yeah, I just am really. They're really popular. a different a different variety, but I just am really hooked on. Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. My problem is a lo- the only time I really have to listen is in the car. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times I'm just enjoying 30 minutes of silence. <laughs> I never, it's never quiet. I always have a podcast. Yeah. Well, I never going. drive anywhere that's long enough to listen no, to a whole don't. podcast. So we've been I'm watching like, hey. Shameless on Netflix. Love it. It's that's so good. funny. It don't abuse good. drugs and alcohol. Don't abuse drugs and alcohol or neglect your children. But it is a funny show. Yeah, it is. All they do is do it because they're too poor to afford other entertainment. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I like it. There's so much that happens that what I can't even talk to you about. What episode did you Snapchat that? Oh, it's like episode. It's like season six. Do I they think. come to Indianapolis mm-hmm. then? Okay, because it takes place in Chicago. Yeah. Anyway, Chicago. All right, I'm ready to hear it. Oh, I don't know if there's a connection. Oh, Chicago might be really maybe. Wait, Indiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's an Indiana connection, oddly enough. I think so. I, the episode I watched of Shameless last night. I have one. I night. have to go to fucking Chicago January 17th to sit in the classroom for a day and a half. Mom's going for a week. Then yeah. only to get oh, yeah, out I'm gonna probably at 4.30 in the here. afternoon and have to drive back through Chicago fucking rush hour traffic. No, yeah, no, thank you. Mom's doing training for the census. I know. I'm like, should I stay at home? She was like, maybe. She maybe. said, uh, a census worker once tried to test me. 
I had his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. What the fuck is that? Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. Oh, okay. Well, I've seen... Okay, you want to know what? God. You want to know what? This madam over here oh, decided to watch this movie on the night before her wedding and like gets halfway through it and I'm like scared and decides, I'm going to bed. Bye. I was like, no, you have to stay up with me. And you're like, no. <laughs> you know what I did the night before our wedding? What? Drank way too much. Yes, really? and was hungover and pale in all the pictures. Okay. Number one, what difference does it make? Because in the pictures, I'm wearing a nice navy blue tuxedo. We all look pale in the pictures, okay, actually. But yeah, here's the thing. Was, photographer is bad. My, my tuxedo was gray, like gray-gray. And it looks blue in all and the pictures. And it looks blue in all the pictures. <laughs> oh, so man. what difference does it make? My favorite pictures we have from our wedding are the ones people took with their cell phones. Yep. We were looking love at wedding. It. Our daughter and, and I two, were looking at wedding pictures today. It was muggy as fuck. Yeah, it was hot as fuck out. And I was doing I was doing A-OK. That's when how you it first is, saw me, I was fine. I mm-hmm. felt good. I was ready to go. The adrenaline took over. And then we did all them fucking pictures beforehand. And you, I was fucking hot. Okay, but she wasn't okay before that. Yeah. You weren't. She was like, not. I didn't know it. if I really wanted to do this. <laughs> I was like, no, do you I were have like, to? I need to unzip oh, really? Can I back what you out? Thought? No, she was like, Is I need to thought? unzip this dress. It's too <laughs> I tight. Need to take like, a, yeah, I need to breathe. Yeah. So. Beauty anyway. is pain, baby. Anyways, there's no, I don't know if there's a connection to any of that. Maybe Chicago. There's an Indiana connection, though. All right. Let's get to it. December 17th, 1968. I asked mom if she knew December this. December what? 17th. Oh. This is a Christmas themed episode. Ooh, okay. Ooh. <laughs> Festive. Are you going to tell attention. the story of Die Hard? <laughs> no. <laughs> Barbara Mackle, a 20 year old Emory University student, was staying at the Roadway Inn in Decatur, Georgia, with her mother. Barbara was sick with the Hong Kong flu. The fuck is that? I've never heard of it. It killed a lot of people, I think, though. Shit. Daniel's going to look it up. It just seems like the regular flu, but, you know, fancier. It originated in Hong <laughs> Kong. Because it's from China. Yeah, everyone go get your flu shot. I got my flu shot. Okay, everyone go get your flu shot because the Hong Kong flu could be back at any time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to go. I'm going to go Wednesday. Uh, had hit the student body population of Emory hard. Her mother had driven to the Atlanta area to take care of her daughter and then drive her daughter back to the family home in Coral Gables, Florida for the Christmas break. I know where that's at. Is that the thing? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. We watched a... Wait, that's the name of the neighborhood or that's the... I'm not sure. So I'm pretty sure no one's saying... Yeah, okay. So Coral Gables, I think it's where the University of Miami's at. Okay. Oh. I never realized it, but the the university is actually in a really upscale part of Miami. Interesting. I don't know why I didn't know that. Okay, so it turns out moms are always taking care of their kids, and she flew in to take care of her sick daughter and then drive her back home. So from Florida to Georgia. A man startled the woman awake with a knock at 4 a.m., he said he was police officer and that Barbara's boyfriend slash just friend at the time, Stuart Woodward, had been hurt in a car accident. When Mrs. Mackle opened the door, Gary, Christ, and Ruth Eisman, who was dressed like a man, barged in and brandished an assault rifle. They tied up her mother and knocked her out with chloroform, then snatched the daughter, dressed only in a flannel nightgown. 
She was forced at gunpoint into the back of their Volvo. But it wasn't it wasn't her that looked up chloroform. It was me. Oh, it was actually me that looked up the chlor- The chlorophyll prompted oh, me to look up chlorophyll. I was worried about the plants in the yard. So the, the oh. I looked up chlorophyll. So the first thing I would look up would and be. And then, then it prompted me to look up chloroform. Yeah, Casey Anthony. The, uh, it's the movie. Or to get away from them. Excuse me, does this smell like chloroform? <laughs> <laughs> or he's using that as a pickup line? Yeah, yeah. what is that? I don't know. That might be Horrible Boss. Uh, it's no, either Horrible hall Bosses or it's Hall Pass. pass. I think I it's think Hall it's Pass. pass. Yeah. We're going to settle on Hall Pass. <laughs> Gary drove 20 miles north to a spot near Duluth, Georgia, which I did not know there was a Duluth, Georgia. Yes, there There's is. a Duluth trading company. He exited the highway at South Berkeley Lake Road, then turned off again into a patch of woods, easing the car 100 feet back through the trees. Gary got out and pulled away tree limbs that were covering the ground, and Barbara Mackle got her first look at the terror that was awaiting her. A capsule had been buried in the ground. It was roughly three feet wide, three and a half feet deep, and seven feet long. It was constructed of plywood, and the interior was lined with fiberglass. The corners were reinforced with steel brackets. Gary popped off the lid and launched into a proud explanation to Barbara of how he had equipped the tomb with everything she would need to keep her safe until he received the ransom money. Oh, no. Oh, no. Gary pointed out that the capsule had food, water that had been laced with sedatives, a fan, a lamp, a blanket, and a sweater. Two... Flexible plastic pipes to the surface brought in fresh air. Well, there's been people that kept in worse conditions. That's true. She begged Gary to take her anywhere else, but not to bury her. Oh, God. According to him, she repeated one phrase, I'll be good. So she's begging not to be buried alive. Oh, God. Gary held their victim's arm while Ruth applied a chloroform-soaked towel to her face. She was drowsy, but not knocked out as they lowered her into the ground. She cried out again and again as Gary fastened the lid with 14 screws, then buried her beneath hundreds of pounds of dirt and camouflage branches. Barbara listened through the air tubes as the shoveling stopped. She heard footsteps, followed by the sound of a car starting and driving away as she lay screaming, God, no, you can't leave me. It was 8.30 a.m. on December 17th. Fuck that. I know. What's the movie with Ryan Reynolds where he's buried alive? Overseen. I hated that movie. <laughs> I I didn't what say it was, was it? hated that movie. I think I it's know. called Buried. Buried. No, I don't know. Now I got to look. Buried it up. treasure. It's like ransom money. He was a contractor overseas, and they buried him. I hate saying you better that get your American movie. family to pay. Oh my god. Oh, I've never been so fucking mad walking out of a movie. Theater oh, I didn't see it in a theater. My life. Really? Yes. Dang. Because at the end. You think he's going to get saved? And then he doesn't. Spoiler. He just gets gets fucking left there. Well, no, don't waste your time watching it. It's awful. Oh, my God. So who is this guy? Gary? That guy. Ryan Ryan Reynolds. No, he's definitely not Ryan Reynolds. I'm I'm still looking it up. Sorry. I just put the heated blankie on me. Everyone loves a heated blanket. That's what you should ask for. It is called buried. Everyone should ask for a heated blanket for Christmas. I have. You have. Who'd you ask? (laughs) Santa Claus doesn't bring hoes presents. Whoa. Ho, ho, ho. He doesn't go ho, ho, ho. It's a myth. (laughs) Fake news. Anyway, so so she's in the ground. Alive. How did we get to this point, though? 
Gary Stephan Kritz, K-R-I-T-S, was born April 29th, 1945. He was recognized as a bright kid in a quick study. However, he began stealing cars before he could legally drive them. He had been incarcerated in three different states by the age of 18. He broke out of prison in California and fled across the country, where he managed to live under a pseudonym while working at a prestigious university. Prestigious. Prestigious. <laughs> Gary had a dream of committing the perfect crime. In short, abducting a young woman with financial ties and collecting the ransom money. Boom. Is it the perfect crime? Wow. He, uh, Sounds like he really worked on that plan. Yeah. And he was 18 when he decided he wanted to do this. But Jesus Christ. We're going to wait a while. He landed a job as a research assistant at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Okay, so he's not dumb. No, he's not dumb. MIT. In the summer of 1968, he and his wife moved so he could work for the University of Miami's Institute for Marine Research under the name George Deacon. In September of 1968, he was a 23-year-old boat hand on a two-week research trip to Bermuda with a group of graduate students. During the trip, he began an affair with Ruth Eisman Shear, S-C-H-I-E-R, and she was 26, a bright, petite, and pretty grad student from Honduras. To Gary's delight, Ruth was willing to experiment in the bedroom, among other things. She enjoyed oh taking risque Polaroids of one another. So, like they had mice and they were trying out the effects of caffeine on them and nicotine. Experiments. Like those kind of experiments. <laughs> Actual experiments. With test tubes and beakers, yes. Or did, it, did they stop off and see the... The scientist from A Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, he is a smart <laughs> I person. I need to conduct some experiments. <laughs> Melted down a candy cane. and <laughs> Or is it more like today. putting shit in their asses? Probably that. Okay. Among, okay. Let's see. Three weeks before Christmas, Gary informed his wife that he no longer loved her. But his wife wasn't surprised about his mistress because he often asked his wife to allow him to lead a more sexually open lifestyle. But she wasn't into that kind of shit. Ruth enthusiastically took her place in the couple's trailer. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It's the enthusiasm part instead of just going, oh, okay. Okay. He soon let her in on his get-rich-quick kidnap plan. They would take the 500000 ransom and flee to Europe, he told her, where they could live happily ever Wait after. Wait a second. Isn't there a movie based on this? Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's possible. possible. <laughs> or wait, no, now I know what I'm thinking. Locating the victim proved simple. Gary, posing as a scholarship investigator, learned the name of her dormitory by merely asking the admissions office. Wow. Wow. A dorm mate told him that Barbara was staying with her mother at the Roadway Inn. He identified their room, number 137, by staking out the hotel. So it was real easy when the office just gives you the names of yeah. people. So, Barbara's life was in the hands of her kidnappers. As she regained composure, she took stock of her surroundings. Beneath a Kotex box, she found a long type note from Gary that proudly explained his wonderful hostage-holding device. Do not be alarmed. You are safe. You'll be home for Christmas, one way or the other. Oh, shit. All right. You're not freaking me out at all. At least he was... I mean, he sounds like a real nice guy, you know? Kotex are pads. He even provided her in case she was on her period. I mean, for God's sakes, what, what man comes up with these sorts of things? I mean, he sounds like a regular sweetheart to me. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things, he bragged in the note that his ingenious capsule included a battery that would operate her light and fan for a full 11 days. 
So he's promising she won't be in there for more 11 days. He was wrong. The battery crapped out in just three hours. So now <gasps> she's in bad. there in the dark with no fan to circulate any air and just like one or two tubes to the surface. They couldn't shoot the movie in the dark. Uh, with Ryan Reynolds, I think he has glow sticks or a flashlight. <laughs> Gary phoned the Mackle home that morning to direct Robert Mackle, her father, a wealthy Florida land developer, a set of instructions he had buried ahead of time under a rock in their yard, which is so fucking creepy. If Mackle agreed to pay the 500000 ransom, which is $3.5 million in today's money, he was to place a classified ad in the next day's Miami Herald. Gary and Ruth spent the day preparing the ransom pickup and their escape. They bought plane tickets to Chicago and a small boat. That didn't sound bad. Wow. This is well thought out. Yeah. The next morning, December 18th, the ad appeared in the paper. Late that night, Gary phoned the Mackle home with ransom drop instructions. Robert Mackle was to leave the money on a seawall a few miles from the Mackle's mansion in Coral Gables. Gary waited nearby, bobbing in a skiff, which I think is the boat, in the bay. He planned to race to shore, grab the cash, and jump in a getaway car. But as Mackle made the drop, two cops happened by, and the pickup was aborted, with Gary fleeing on foot and Ruth abandoning the Volvo. Never abandon the Volvo. Never abandon the Volvo. (laughs) The car contained a trove of information about the kidnappers, including Ruth's passport, their checkbook, checkbook, documents that revealed their past addresses, a car registration in the name of George Deacon, even a collection of lace bikini panties no and racy nude polaroids of no. the couple well you always want to travel with your nude photos you never know when <laughs> and a stack know. of lace panties which i hate that word yeah we well, always tell mom don't say, say that, that word i tell her not to <laughs> police um also found a polaroid of barbara holding a sign that bore the word kidnapped so they took a picture of her like oh, in shit. the coffin looking thing holding a sign that said kidnapped They decided to split up, planning to rendezvous in Austin, Texas. Ruth boarded a bus headed west while Gary pressed a second ransom payment plan, so he's not going to give this up. He rented a car and phoned Mackle at 10.35 that night. He ordered a new money drop on the southwest 8th Street at the edge of the city. The second drop went as planned, and Gary Christ had his $500,000. By the time Gary picked up the cash, the FBI already knew the identities of both kidnappers. Warrants were issued, although authorities had no idea of where to find the kidnappers. He decided his safest escape would be by boat. He planned to cross Florida via canals, then buzz across the Gulf of Mexico to the Texas rendezvous, which I didn't know was possible. Rendezvous. The morning after receiving the ransom, Gary pulled into D&D Marine Supply in West Palm Beach and purchased a 16-foot motor boat. (laughs) (laughs) But he paid for the $2,000 boat in $20 bills. The The Mackle kidnapping was front page news across the country, and everyone in America knew that the morning that the ransom had been paid in $20 bills. Yeah. You done fucked up, my sir. An hour later, and nearly 15 hours after the ransom pickup, Gary Chris stopped at a payphone and called the Atlanta FBI office to leave directions to Barbara Mackle's burial site. More than 100 agents raced to Duluth. The Duluth. <laughs> the not first, Minnesota. Nope, it's not. The first agents who found the spot spoke to Barbara through the air tubes and frantically clawed at the earth with their bare hands to free her. She kept saying, don't leave me. 
She was finally freed after 83 hours underground. Oh, Hell fucking She made it no. out alive. Mm-hmm. Dehydrated stiff. And- I was worried because I was sitting here thinking, oh, I hope this poor girl makes it out. But the title of the show is Homicide. Oh. That is. She was dehydrated you- stiff and 10 pounds lighter. No. So, if you so need to lose I weight- need to go underground is what you're saying. <laughs> hey, I can bury you. <laughs> yeah, the dirt, the dirt is often enough here, I think. She told rescuers, you are the handsomest men I've ever seen. She's probably a little out of it and just going to say the first thing that You're comes to You're beautiful mind. and I <laughs> love you. You're so beautiful. <laughs> she was whisked back to Miami in her father's private jet. I mean, that does help smooth your feelings over, I think, okay. a private jet. During a brief appearance for the press. Buying her a bodyguard. Barbara yeah. insisted her kidnappers had treated her humanely and that she was feeling absolutely wonderful. I mean, to not be I underground. Mean, and the killer, they didn't, I mean, the torture was being underground. Yeah, they, like it's still, and they couldn't, they treated her humanely, but they weren't with her, you know? Yeah. Mackle was asked how she had remained so positive, not only during the kidnapping, but after, when she was showed no ill effects from the ordeal. She claimed she would imagine spending Christmas with her family and never doubted she would be rescued. Well, hot damn. Bottle up whatever she's got going on in her and sell it. I guess. Gary turned up that night, Friday, December 20th, at the first lock of the Florida Intercoastal Waterway across Lake Kishobe. Akashobi. <laughs> Akashobi. Akashobi. There we go. Akashobi. And through a series of locks leading to the Kalakushati River. I'm done with you. <laughs> Kalakusachi River in the Fort Myers area. You know, you can go to Google and mm. type in how I to know. pronounce. <laughs> I know. I could. I know. And... It would certainly tell you. I could. Um, He covered more than 100 miles by daybreak Saturday, but the tender at the final lock before open water got suspicious when Gary claimed that he had lost his registration paperwork. He radioed back to the other locks and learned the man had crossed the state using the same story at each stop. Okay. He allowed him through, but called the authorities. (laughs) I I heard that before, but you can go. I'll just catch up later. (laughs) A helicopter was scrambled up and an armada of police boats were turned loose. With lawmen approaching from all directions, Gary beached his vessel on Hog Island. Is that from The Bachelor is my question? Remember when they went and played with all the pigs on the beach? The piggies! I don't know if that is or not. I don't know either, but I... That's funny. I I think it is. A 30-square-mile jungle of dense mangroves in the bay off Fort Myers. Agents and the officers surrounded the island, and Gary was finally tracked down after 12 hours of running through the jungle. Damn. No. According to the deputies who arrested him, Gary's first words were, I didn't do it. Got any guesses? I can't go back to jail! I can't can't go go back back to to jail! jail! (laughs) (laughs) I have rights. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. The deputies recovered 17,000 from his pockets. This is democracy manifest. (laughs) Get your hands off my penis. <laughs> what the fuck? You never heard that before? What the fuck? It's, he's really drunk, isn't I'll, he? I'll play it. Okay. I'll play it here in a second. But you just assured me that I could speak. Sit down inside the car. I'm not assuring anything. I'm under arrest. Look, I'm under what? Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Have a look at the headlock here. Yeah, See that chap over there? Get your hand off my penis! 
This is the bike who got me on the penis, people. Oh. Get some cups. Why did you do this? Pop in the car. Get some cups. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? Oh, that's a nice headlock, sir. Oh, ah, uh, yes. I see that you know your judo well. Good one. And you, sir, are you waiting to receive my limp penis? How dare get your hands on me? What the fuck is this from? The best part of that is at the end when they're putting him in, he goes, ta ta, farewell. <laughs> so that guy was a former Australian chess champion or something. Mm-hmm. And he had been reported for, he'd go to all these upscale restaurants, eat, and leave. He was dining and dashing, but he was doing it at upscale restaurants. Okay. And they finally knew who he was one day when he walked in, so they called the police and they pulled him out while he was eating. Was he drunk? <laughs> he seems really drunk, but yeah. he might not have been. Um, the FBI found another 480000 in the boat. Ruth Eisman gained the distinction of becoming the first woman ever on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. 70- yeah, but that only lasted for so long. It was, yes. Yeah, no, 79... Days after the kidnapping, she was arrested after applying. Oh, that's right. They didn't get her. Never mind. Duh. She was arrested after applying for a job as a car hop in Norman, Oklahoma. I don't know what a car hop is. Uh, valet? Sure. There you go. I don't know. Jimmy Steve? <laughs> Jimmy Steve? <laughs> she was hauled back to Georgia for trial. The jury did not buy her excuse that she was blindly in love with the charismatic Gary Kritz. So she was convicted and sentenced to seven years. She was paroled after four and promptly deported to her native Honduras. She remains persona non grata in the U.S. What that mean? I think that means we don't like you. You can't come back. Oh, wait. You, was she from the United States? No, she was from Honduras. He met her when mm. he was on his boating trip. Mm-hmm. Persata titatas. Right? I think I said it right, too. I think you did, too. Yes. An unacceptable or unwelcome person. Means we don't like you. We you don't can't come here. Like you, come you here. don't come near us. I wonder if Dad was ever persona non grata in Canada. You'll have to ask him because he was deported twice. <laughs> hmm? Can he go we, back? I think he can now. It's been like seven years. So the prosecutor Richard Bell judged Gary as Richard. a sorry judged Gary as a superior thug, and he aggressively sought the death penalty allowed under Georgia law in kidnapping for ransom cases. During a break one day, Gary told reporters he expected to get the electric chair or whatever means these barbarian humans use these days, I suppose. So he was mad that he was going to get punished even though he put someone in the ground? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I see how it is. The jury convicted him and a majority voted for execution. But four jur- jurors held out for the- a life sentence, so the panel was forced to recommend mercy. What did I miss that he got... They were going to you under under Georgia law, you can be sentenced to death for kidnapping for ransom. I don't know if that's current now because I don't know if it ignores the fact of whether or not you killed your kidnappee or not. Many believe Gary escaped death only because Barbara Mackle expressed appreciation during her testimony that Gary had spared her life by phoning the FBI after the ransom recovery. So she was not. I don't think she wanted him to be executed. I would say that had to have been taken into consideration. Yeah. In 1971, he wrote a letter to his victim. Of course, my crime was evil, immoral, and cruel, and I cannot excuse it. I don't deserve forgiveness, 
but it would make me happy to receive it. The crime is past and I can learn from it, but I cannot change it. Okay. Yeah. Wanna, okay. Doesn't sound real sorry. You're a little weak. In 1972, he published a memoir entitled Life. <laughs> An odd 370-page account of his life ragging of his sexual achievements. Egomaniacal. Sexual. Yeah, yeah. egomaniacal bragging. How many copies did they sell? I'm not sure. All written in a haughty academic tone. Ho-ho. He next tried escape, concealing himself inside a garbage truck, but he was caught and his privileges revoked. Finally, he tried the perfect prisoner con, and he found the perfect sucker. Gary began tutoring fellow inmates, teaching them to read and write. He took college classes, trained as an EMT, and worked in the prison hospital. He also cultivated a relationship with James T. Morris, the influential chairman of the Georgia Parole Board. Yes, if you want out of prison, you make friends with someone on the parole board. Under the lenient parole protocols of that era, even as a lifer, Gary became eligible to apply for parole after just seven years in prison. So he was sentenced to life, but can apply for parole after seven years. So what he do? He lined up a number of doctors and professors who lobbied for his release, led by his prison pen pal girlfriend, Joan Jones. <laughs> 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 who does that i don't know joan jones tonight on joan jones yeah <laughs> morris advocated for gary's release as early as 1976 the convict promised to return to pelican alaska to work in the family shrimping business oh boy only alaska officials said we don't fucking want him but no surprise there yeah but by some 1979 after lobbying by chris's family and tommy morris alaska agreed so they're going to let him come back to Alaska. So he's allowed to get out of jail. If Barbara Mackle, by then a wife and mother, did not oppose the release. So the Georgia Parole Board quietly voted to free the infamous con. So as long as you go back to Alaska and be a good boy. And you leave the lower 49 I think, out I think of they it. they should tell him you're never allowed to leave Alaska. <laughs> yeah, Alaska didn't really want him, though. Gary walked out of prison on May 14th, 1979, at just 33 years old. He told reporters that he might just become a missionary. And they would probably take him, honestly. See, the, my problem, my biggest problem with this is he's one of those guys, he's so full of shit, and he thinks everybody believes his shit. Yeah, a narcissist. No, he's just smart. He's smarter than the regular narcissist, so he does believe everyone believes him. The wife he had abandoned divorced him while he was in prison, but waiting at the prison gates was... The devil. Joan Jones. Joan Jones. <laughs> His prison pen pal. They were married after a few months. He began taking college classes in Alaska with an eye toward pursuing what he called his lifelong dream of becoming. I can't keep up with this guy. What does he want to become now? He obviously wants to become an accomplished writer detective. <laughs> Man, give me a hint. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what's the most prestigious thing you can think of? Become president? Well, not the. A politician? Yeah. Mayor? Me, I guess not the most prestigious gold like, medalist. A highly thought of career. He wants to be a, a doctor? doctor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. He enrolled. At, he's not on my insurance, right? <laughs> right. He enrolled at a second-rate Caribbean medical school. He graduated in the mid 1990s. Then apparently worked as a doctor in Haiti while desperately seeking positions back home. He tried medical residences in West Virginia, Alabama, and Connecticut. But lost the positions when his criminal background came to light. 
In 2001, he took a position in Trisney, Indiana. Oh, my God. Where the hell is that? It is way, way south. C-H-R-I-S-N-E-Y. Trisney. It had, like, where he was, a rural village. They called it a village in 2001. Yikes. With no doctor. It had, like, 500 people in the 2010 census. So they were desperate for somebody. Yeah. See, nowadays, places like that, you get physician's assistance yeah right in rural area indiana was aware of his past and granted dr chris a a probationary license but he lost that job too after the evansville indiana courier press published a story about the mackle kidnapping in 2003 yeah that'll just about do it you can't you can't i think there was some something else that he did they made it sound like it wasn't that big of a deal but because he was it was a probationary license you can't you have to be like squeaky clean yeah now he was the victim forced <laughs> to return to a new career of lawyerism. Well, As Grace said, yeah, that's what he did next. N- less legal. Car business. Less, <laughs> it's hard to get less that, that legal. Been, that would have been the icing on the cake. What drugs did car businesses like to do? Oh, he became. Oh, God. Nowadays know. or back then? Back then. Back, yeah. Coke? Yes. He was a Coke lord. Uh, yes, as a cocaine importation business when his and think about it if you're gonna buy your cocaine who are you gonna go to some random guy or this guy over here who's a doctor yeah he gets the best practice medicine for some certain reasons i mean he said it was safe yeah he's a doctor in certain amounts you know so in 2001 he got hit when his probationary medical license in indiana Gary and his wife's son, Henry Jackson Greason. Man, these names. They started Greason and Christ Construction, Inc. The company claims specialties in sheet metal fabrication and bulletproof rooms. So like a safe house, safe room? What's that one, Joe? Uh, room? No. Oh, okay. Safe room. Safe room. I don't know. Okay. You're making stuff up. The one with Jodie Foster. Yeah. Mm, okay. And Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And wait, the girl's somebody, too. Kristen. Yeah, it is Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Gary rented a 27-foot sailboat in in Point Clear, Alabama. This guy's got something with boats. Just before Christmas 2004, federal authorities believed he sailed to Columbia, where he bought a kilo of cocaine. A year later, Gary and Henry charted another sailboat from Mobile Bay Marina, from November 14th to December 4th, 2005. The men sailed again to South America and bought six kilos of cocaine, which is about 13 pounds. When they returned from that trip, the charter company grew suspicious when employees found aboard the boat a map of the Colombian coast. Okay, the charter firm contacted authorities. When Gary reserved another sailboat for just a month later, in January 2006, federal agents installed a tracking bug on the vessel. Gary again sailed to... Honduras. Colombia. Oh, okay. So he's not being secretive about renting boats and going to get drugs. Was he? I bet he he went and dealt with... um, Pablo Escobar? Yes. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, yeah. When he returned to Mobile Bay on March 6th, an army of local, state, and federal lawmen rushed the boat as it docked. They seized four illegal aliens who had paid Gary 6,000 each. Hey, you can't say that. What is it? Undocumented citizen. But if they're just on a boat, like, and haven't made it either way, can you call it that? Like, because they're this not a happens. citizen yet. They're not living. 
and they haven't even got off the boat. So I think that's an undocumented undocumented persons. Sorry, I didn't know. You could have triggered something. I didn't mean to. (laughs) I didn't didn't mean. They seized four, and I didn't write this. I copied and pasted. They seized four. Even worse, so plagiarism. (laughs) Illegal (laughs) persons who had paid Gary six thousand each, and in a cooler they found thirty-eight pounds of cocaine in paste form with street value as much as two million. And apparently he had like rigged the cooler. You You ever had a nice cocaine paste? (laughs) <laughs> what the way excuse me is that what you said excuse me cocaine paste. paste yeah and apparently the cooler was rigged that if they boat got boarded or something at sea he could flip a switch and the cooler would drop and sink to the bottom so he was like had it ready so that he could get away with it but he didn't have time to flip a switch or whatever on march 10th drug investigators searched gary's home on georgia highway 324 just outside of auburn 35 miles east of atlanta they made a stunning discovery when they pried open a concealed trap door in the floor of a small garden shed there was a body in there no a ladder no. gave access to a submarine-style <laughs> no. workshop built into a metal cylinder measuring 27 and a half feet long and 8 feet in diameter. The laboratory had running water and electricity. Did my laboratory! I know what you're talking about. Dexter's lab! The laboratory had running water and electricity and was stocked with chemicals and containers used to convert the cocaine from paste to... Butt paste. Powder. (laughs) Butt paste. (laughs) Or butt cream. Butt cream. Butt cream. I need my butt Butt cream. (laughs) Which authorities believe Gary and his stepson then sold in Atlanta. The lab also featured an escape route, a tunnel nearly 20 yards long that snaked to the surface, terminating in a camouflage 50-gallon barrel. So he had a setup. In 1971, Barbara co-authored a memoir about her ordeal, 83 Hours Till Dawn. She said in the book, I wanted to tell it once completely and as honestly as I could so that it will be behind me. I want it to end. I want to put it behind me once and for all. I want it to be over forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) I'm sorry I said amen. (laughs) She hasn't spoken publicly about it since. Barbara Mackle married her college sweetheart, Stuart Woodward, the guy that the police told her was in the car wreck. Stuart? They ended up together, which is sweet. He became a successful accountant in Atlanta. The couple had two children that moved some years ago to a seaside home in Florida. She has deflected all attempts by media to talk about Gary Christ until now when I called her. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Wait. I know that I did not want Chris to be executed. She wrote in her memoir. For one reason, it was he who called the FBI. So, yeah, she would have died had he not decided to call Mm -hmm. the FBI. Gary. I mean, she would have lived no matter what if he hadn't put her in there first. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Gary said, my victim has put me in a moral debt for life, which is kind of an odd statement. I'm in your moral debt. What does that even what I don't do know. mean by that? Gary and Henry pleaded guilty on May 16th, 2006 in U.S. Di- uh, US District Court in Mobile. Mobile, not mobile. Is it mobile or mobile? Mobile. mobile. Alabama. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to conspiracy to. Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's mobile. Mobile. Uh, to conspiracy it's to mobile, it's mobile. It's mobile. Mobile. <laughs> it's mobile. 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 <laughs> they pleaded guilty to conspiracy to import cocaine and smuggling 
This says aliens. I'm sorry. I didn't write this. Did you say undocumented Smuggling citizens? undocumented citizens. Their sentences could range from 10 years to life on each count, in addition to fines of up to $4 million. On May 16th, 2006, Gary pleaded guilty to drug smuggling, and he was sentenced to five years and five months in prison at Federal Correction Institute in Mariana, Florida. He was released from prison in November 2010. On August 27, 2012, again in Mobile, Alabama, U.S. District Judge revoked Gary's supervised release for violating his probation. He had left the country without permission, sailing to South America this guy on needs his sailboat. Boat. He was sentenced to 40 months in prison. As of 2016, he was living in Auburn, Atlanta. So he's not in jail? No. This guy's like a loose cannon. A loose cannon. But this dude, so I was like, oh, well, no one dies, but it's still a good story. No one dies, but the potential was there. But he is on Murderpedia. Which means, and I don't know if it's because of how popular this story was, mm-hmm. but he is a confessed slayer of two gay men and one girl and an un- unidentified victim. So he confessed to it, but nobody's ever tried him. No, or there was, I didn't see any other information. That's so, really interesting. Yeah, and it doesn't say anything else in the article on Murderpedia about who he might have killed. It's just confessed slayer of four people. So they're like, yeah, yeah would think there would have been more if it's true so it could be false he could have just been making up things so he could have murdered someone he could not have someone's you tell sounds me sounds like this dude's capable of anything yeah at what at what part did they mess up this kidnap ransom thing mm, i think when they the authorities got a hold of their car so she abandoned it when the first drop didn't go down right and they're like oh now your whole lives are in this car and we know who you are. Yeah, that wasn't very smart of them. Mm-mm. I mean, if they had maybe, you know, like cleaned out the car, it would have been less of a giveaway. Yeah. So I guess say they had not abandoned the car, then it might have been a lot later before they figured out what was what. Yeah, they wouldn't have known who to, who it was. They said, fall back to the gumdrop forest. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have known who it was. Just always assume it's South, South Park. Park. Okay, yeah. They would have eventually known when they paid for something in $20 bills. A large something. They could have just kept it, gone home, and used it to buy groceries every month, mm-hmm. and it would have lasted for a long, long time. And what? Yeah, nowadays they would have already like tracked and traced the bills and yeah. stuff. They target, and I think he also said he was looking for a woman that financial ties, but was a strong enough individual that could withstand being inside the box. You kidnapped a sick girl. Not that she wasn't strong enough. Clearly, she survived it. She had the flu. Yeah. And he took her. Well, and I put guess her in they didn't box. plan for her to have the flu. She mm-hmm. just got it. Yeah. So, which would make it even worse. I didn't even think about that. You have the flu and you're in a box oh, underground. No. You probably sweat it out, honestly. She lost 10 pounds. Yeah. When he got out on pro- on probation or parole or whatever, even the guy on the parole board that was lobbying for him was like, she's fine. It was fine. No one died. She's not traumatized. There's no lasting damage. So it's pretty much a non-negligent She wasn't crime. traumatized. Okay. I mean, and she herself says, like, I'm over it, guys. It's cool. Like, But still, to, for him to say that she's fine, it's like, no, it's not your position to tell yeah. her what she feels. I mean, if if she was like, it's okay. And like, I don't think she, she must have not felt like it, he was a threat to her. Yeah. Anymore. And that's the other argument is he wasn't going to hurt anyone, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I really don't trust that, though. No. 
Now, was he out to go get her again? No. And she was still in Georgia or Atlanta. Like, yeah, in that state where he was. I can't pick up the turd. I'm in Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they were technically living in the same state, and I don't think she feared him. She probably didn't. I mean... Yeah. I think he made it as least traumatizing as possible. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse if you live if you're in there for a and week. said, I'm gonna fucking kill you and mm-hmm. didn't it, leave her anything in there. Yeah, she wasn't sexually assaulted or physically harmed except, you know. I wanna see what the capsule looks like. I'll have to post some pictures. And it was designed, like he spent time at MIT thinking about how I'm gonna design this. And it's still fucked up though, because the fan and the lights went off. Yeah. And I feel like they did on Law and Order SVU. I feel like they've got a case that's similar to this. They, I think they do that. They just mm-hmm. pick and choose things from yeah. real life and they throw it in their episodes. Chop it up. Throw it in. Yeah. I think that's that's all I got. Yeah. That's oh, pretty wow. interesting. I kind of like that one. Okay. It didn't leave me with like, you know, despair. Mm-mm. I mean, unless he killed four people. <laughs> it, which he very well could have. Yeah. He seems like someone who would kill people though, really. And Sounds like he like... This was his trial run. Who knows what he did after that, really? He could have fucking thrown people off his boat. Yeah. On... Or killed someone as a doctor. People don't, yeah. you know. Dr. Death. That's a good podcast. Ugh. Listen to that. Wolf. Wolf. Buzz, your girlfriend. Wolf. Wolf. We watched that. <laughs> yes, we did. I suggested watching the second one, and you said, we have to save it for later. Is that the voice that I have? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's less bitchy than my ex wife's. Well, that's if that's all I got going for me. At least you got something going. I got well, something. you know, you you complain when you feel like I do that voice. So to trying to alter it a little bit. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Anything else, guys? Anything else? Uh... <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. Remember to spade and neuter your pets and a flu shot. Definitely get the flu shot. shot. Boris needs to go to the vet. Boys. Boys. And, uh, I don't know, treat your... Don't bury people alive. I don't say treat your people you kidnap with kindness. Yeah, if you have to kidnap... It'll probably go over better for you in the end. Mm -hmm. Tell them where to find us. Um, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Who's Your Homicide, and you can like us on Facebook. And then you can stream the podcast from Spotify iTunes, the only two that really matter, but Stitcher, <laughs> Podbean, Google Play. Google Play. Like I said, the first two are really the ones ones that matter. We don't have a lot of listeners on Spotify, so we'll keep the other ones okay. going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh we have a Patreon. Yeah. Backslash Who's Your Homicide. We've got some episodes. We're gonna record another one. Just a little snippet. Snippity dippitch. Random stuff that's good for the soul. It is good. Cause the more you know. The more you blow. Exactly. And for honest to goodness, stay out of the corn. Coming up, Santa Claus. Hey, what you talking about? What you want for Christmas, Mom? Oh, you want her um, crazy Santa? Goodbye, Santa!